This is episode 47 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is an entrepreneur and public speaker, Barry Francis. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here. It's springtime. Tiger just won his 15th major at the Masters. I'm just jacked up this week. So excited um, and excited for you guys to listen in on this episode. I've um, got a really cool guest in Mary Francis. Um, I was actually given her name by a former guest. Um, Lindsay Schwartz um, of episode 31 fame, if you guys had a chance to listen to Lindsay's episode. And if not, um, tremendous interview there. And she's doing some really cool stuff with her powerhouse women, um, you know, movement. So I definitely recommend you guys check that out. But, you know, got connected with Mary and uh, was really intrigued by a lot of the things she's doing. You know, she had some hardships in her 20s and she shares those stories um, and really how she changed her life um, into, you know, kind of this different the whole different aspect of what she's doing today, um, way different than, you know, it could have been um, and could have went down a, a, a different path, but she chose to kind of, you know, steady the ship and move it in a different direction. So um, some really inspiring stuff. Um, she shares some great insight. And since she's got a background in, in fitness and nutrition, we talk on a variety of those tangents as well. Um, and go check out Mary online. Uh, Instagram's probably the best. That's where she plays a lot. Um, her name is at Manicured Meatheads um, on Instagram. Also, her website, manicuredmeatheads.com. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Mary Francis. Let's get it started. Hey, Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Hi, thanks for having me. This is going to be really fun. I'm excited to, uh, to pick your brain on a variety of topics. Um, and I wanted to get in. Well, I have like 15 notes on this page here. Let, let's start with, um, we can go on a variety of tangents and I, I want to get back to learn your story a little bit more and have you share that with the listeners. But I'm just going to start actually with something that's top of mind for me, um, just because I'm obviously big into, into fitness and nutrition stuff. Can we start with nutrition? Is that okay? We can totally start with nutrition. Absolutely. Okay. Well, first I, I wanted to ask, you know, when I, I've had some different uh, fitness professionals on and folks kind of in that in that realm they do for their their career. And one of the things that always intrigued me is how people actually get into that. Where is that something that they were a part of their childhood? They were healthy eaters and were, were doing all these different sports or someone like myself. And I'm not a nutritionist or anything, but like where I ate horribly, I lived on like macaroni and cheese um, growing up and played some sports, but not entirely as active probably as others. Um, and then later in life realize, Hey, this is a big part. Can you tell, you know, kind of start us off maybe where you began. When did, when was nutrition? When did you real, realize fitness was a big part of your life? Was that earlier on or did that come a little bit later? I mean, I feel like there's a huge difference between fitness activity and exercise. So I always played sports. Um, I think I came out of the womb swinging a softball bat. Um, so like team sports was always really important to me, but, um, and I don't want to make me sound like I'm super old cause I'm not, but back when I was growing up, there wasn't a huge focus on like 
strength training and the nutrition aspect that went along with it. It was more the camaraderie and like fun being part of a team or a, a greater goal in that way. Um, so I wouldn't say that I had a huge like love of nutrition and or exercise growing up through softball and I was a collegiate athlete. So I played softball up until my freshman year of college when I decided after that year to hang up my cleats. And I found, I think, very pointed exercise in nutrition, um, probably like six or seven years later. Well, so, and, and why, why do you think, well, I guess, so yeah, and probably not different than some others, right? Yeah, you're as an athlete, you're just kind of going full throttle and, and kind of just doing that, uh, maybe not thinking as much. When did it change for you that you want to get a little more particular in terms of what you put in your body? how you worked your body out again, from a fitness standpoint, more than just, you know, kind of being active day to day. Um, well, if I am correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You just got into CrossFit within the last year or two. So you have probably noticed that, um, you're drinking the Kool-Aid a little, right? So a little, um, <laughs> you love the wads, you love working out, you, uh, want to get into the gym because you're starting to see progress and uh, muscle mass is hanging on and body fat is kind of leaving the situation. Um, and there are days where maybe you eat like crap the day before or you go out drinking with your friends the night before and your workout the next day suffers. So one plus one equals two in that situation. So I think it's a snowball effect. Like you want to be able to improve your workouts so you start looking at the rest of your life, like how much water did I drink? How much sleep did I get the night before? I really want to beat that guy who always beats me. So how can I improve? And I think that that's probably how it started for me because I found um, the sport of CrossFit in 2011 and it really took hold for me. Um, I was probably like 115 pounds sopping wet and that popular term skinny fat um, I thought I was in shape, but then I started putting some serious muscle mass on my body and that can really make you very shapely. So I gained a lot of confidence and that confidence really just, I don't know, spread to the rest of my life. And I was searching for ways to improve my performance in that way. What's your favorite uh, CrossFit move? Um, I'm really short. I'm five foot one, five foot two on good days. So anything where height is an advantage, like I love deadlifts. The range of motion is not that far. I love wall balls. Again, range of motion, squats, thrusters. I'm good at all of that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I saw we got wall balls on the, uh, on the workout tonight. That's I'm not looking for, I'm not a big wall ball fan, but, uh, are, are you tall? I am. I'm, I'm six, two. Yeah. Yep. So I, uh, it's, it's just a lot of up and down for me and, and I'm, I've, I've progressed from the 14 pound, um, to the 20 pound this year. Awesome. So I'm really kind of pushing, uh, I'm pushing the needle a little bit on some progress, but, uh, it's definitely more challenging. So, um, and that's, what's fun about it. Right. I, I think, and that's why like, I am drinking the Kool-Aid, but, and I, I'm curious if you can speak to this obviously, cause, and we'll get into this a little bit. You were a part owner of a CrossFit gym and kind of around a lot of people of, varying shapes and sizes and skill levels and those type of things. One of the things I love about CrossFit just in general is the moderation with it. I think, I think that's what gets lost a lot. People think, Oh, I got to be this top athlete to do it. And the reality is that's untrue. Um, but, but also the variety that you have each and every day, your body just kind of gets shocked instead of the, 
like I used to do at the gym, you go like, all right, we're going to do some bench today and I'm going to do some curls and then maybe a few ab exercises and get out of here. And you really haven't done that much um, compared to what CrossFit brings. But I'm curious if you can speak on that a little bit and maybe take that gym owner mentality of what you saw working with various individuals um, and maybe even some advice to folks that are looking to change their lifestyle or get more fit. Anything you would share with them to get started in the right direction, uh, that may be helpful as well. Yeah, um, not that functional fitness wasn't a thing, quote unquote, before CrossFit stepped onto the scenes, but CrossFit really brought the idea of functional fitness to the masses, which I think um, is is really cool. It, it really did a lot, in my particular opinion, um, being a woman for women, and the, it shifted the mentality for women to know or think now that strong is sexy as opposed to, you know, the five pound dumbbells and being a cardio bunny. Um, and that is one of the major misconceptions that I ran across, um, that I still run across now. I'm obviously still involved with CrossFit, even though I'm no longer an owner, um, is the misconception that you have to be in shape to get in shape. Um, and I think that concept can be said in a lot of different areas to make it sound silly because it is silly. It's like that's putting the cart before the horse, right? Like how do you expect to get in shape for CrossFit if you are not willing to just even put one foot in front of the other? And I think CrossFit has started to realize that that's um, the message that people are picking up on, which is why within the last year or so, they've done a really good job at revamping all of their marketing. If you've noticed that it's not it's not hugely focused on the games athletes anymore. And the games athletes are the people who have, you know, 18 packs and can run a four minute mile and squat 500 pounds for reps. And that to the normal everyday average Joe is unattainable, right? So they're thinking of just starting and then they turn on TV and they see these animals of people who are just accomplishing these major feats of strength. And they think to themselves, well, I'm never going to be able to do that. So what's the point of even going into a CrossFit gym? Whereas the majority of people doing CrossFit are your everyday average Joes. So um, they're doing such a better job, in my personal opinion, of marketing that as CrossFit is now like health and wellness. And they're showing people who are just at home and they're lifting um, like a, a gallon of milk or water weighs eight pounds. So they're showing people doing exercises with things that are accessible to them in their living room, which I think is cool because again, it's the concept of functional fitness. So my suggestion to somebody, anyone listening to this who is on the fence about CrossFit, who has had their curiosities peaked is, it is what you make it. Um, if you go into a gym and you see all of the games athletes, maybe that isn't the gym for you and you can try the next gym down the road because the gym that I came from um, was a very average Joe's gym. We had people from the ages of 16 to the ages of 70, from someone who'd done CrossFit for nine years to someone who had started three days ago. So, so the, the range was very wide. Um, and all I can say is that every single move, as you've experienced, is scalable. You know, we can make it more difficult if you need more of a challenge. We can start you at ground zero if you have no idea what a wall ball is. Like, I'm not going to ask somebody with no experience to pick up 300 pounds off the floor. And I think that's the misconception. So 
just start. I mean, your podcast has the perfect name. It's just get started. You have to really put the fear behind you and just walk into a gym and see if you like the community feel that you are greeted with when you walk in. And if you don't, that's the best part about being an affiliate is you get to design the gym that you want to attract the clientele that you want. So it doesn't have to be a competitor gym. It could be just a normal everyday average Joe's type of environment, which I think speaks to the, to the masses much more. Yeah. And, and I definitely want to get back to some, this is a, it's a fun topic to talk about. Um, one of the things I want to mention in, you know, kind of with the just get started theme and, and kind of the, you know, I guess the reason behind it or reason I, I always wanted to uh, wanted to start kind of the movement, as I like to say, is because, you know, folks like yourself, like me, that you know, you're kind of doing some things different um, and all of a sudden you made a shift. And a lot of that's a mindset shift as well as some other things. Can, can we put a needle in the fitness nutrition for a second? Because I want you to take a step back, if you don't mind. You yeah. mentioned I think it was 2011, right? You, you started CrossFit. But if I remember correctly, you know, your, your life wasn't in a great spot then. Can you talk about leading up to that? Some of the things that you went through, because I think that's a testament to where you're at today um, and maybe could get some you know, motivation to some other folks out there going through some tough times. Totally. Um, and you're right. No, you're absolutely right. My life was not in a great spot when I found CrossFit. Um, I was 2011. Let's see. I was 23 years old. And I'm sure anyone listening to this can go back to their 20s and remember that probably weren't making the brightest of decisions. Um, but two years prior, uh, I had gotten myself um, a slamming DUI. Uh, and I say that because um, in the state of Arizona, which is where I am, um, the law is legal limit is 0.08 or up to the officer's discretion. Um, so I got into a really bad car accident with it. So I really got like not way more than just a slap on the wrist. Um, I served jail time. I owed the state of Arizona like some something like twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Something that at the age of twenty one, like I was working a minimum wage job. I didn't have the means to figure out like how to move forward from this. So uh, my bright idea at the time, which it ended up serving an amazing purpose for me. Um, I thought to myself, well, where could I go make a ton of money without having to work three or four jobs just to try to make ends meet? So I walked into a local strip club and I waited tables for the next five years. So for me, it served a great purpose, like I said, monetarily. Um, however, I was not around the best crowd of people. Um, so I got to learn quite a bit about um that type of environment and the people who are housed in that type of environment. And it was almost a foresight for me to where I got to see how my life would end up if I kept making decisions like that. And I kept hanging around those type of people. So I think CrossFit served as a saving grace for me because I had a friend throughout um, my time at working at this club that would come in uh, and just berate me about trying CrossFit. It was like a Mary try CrossFit. Mary, 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 Mary. And I think we can all kind of giggle about that because what's the joke? The joke? Uh, how do you know if one of your friends does CrossFit because they can't stop talking about it? Um, and he was that friend for me. So I walked into a CrossFit gym. I was super skeptical. Um, 
And it, it took me a couple months, but I started, like I made fun of you, drinking the Kool-Aid, and it really had a huge effect on me because I realized that um, working on one part of my life really helped like rise the tide in, in every other area of my life. So I was working on my physical strength. And once I started seeing improvements in my physical strength, I started gaining more confidence. So that really spoke to um, like the mental strength that I had. And because I was in such a rough position, it was really working on my emotional strength as well. And then I started surrounding myself with these people who had like real life goals and wanted to reach a new level. And that spoke to obviously the societal strength I had going on in my life. So um, CrossFit really had a hand in the trajectory of my life and making sure that it stayed the course as far as positivity goes. Because then after that, I went and got my bachelor's degree um, in exercise and wellness. And then I found myself as an owner of a gym because once I experienced the positive uh, effects it had on me, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide that type of space for other people because I knew I wasn't the only one going through a really hard time. And generally speaking, like that one hour of the day can totally change your day. If you're having a really bad day or having a hard time, like it's science. Exercise is proven to boost endorphins and, and healthy hormones and the feel-good drugs, basically. So you're releasing stress and gaining clarity. And it, it just, it, it worked its magic on me. That's, that's for sure. And we talked a little bit about, obviously, nutrition and getting to that. Why did you decide to go get your, your bachelor's um, in, in health and wellness? Why was that important to you? Um, I think the concept of finishing school was probably the most important thing at that point in time. Um, since I was proving to be such a screw up at the time, I was not meeting any of like my mother's expectations. So I think all I really wanted at the time was to finish school to say that I did it and to maybe prove a point. Um, but getting further and further into the into the bachelor's degree program of exercise and wellness, I realized how much of an interest I had in it because the body is such a cool thing um, and what it can do for you and what it does for us just on a daily basis. I was very intrigued by, you know, the, the mechanics of it, the kinesiology portion of it, like how our body utilizes the food that we eat, how we're able to squat 200, 300, 400 pounds, like all of that really piqued my interest. So it went really hand in hand with me wanting to have a space where people could work on their physical strength um, and knowing exactly what it was doing for them. It was easy for me to then like convey that information to other people when they had questions. I'm going to take a slight tangent off the road here for a second, but kind of in line with that, I'm curious your thought, the, is there a myth maybe that you heard? Cause I want to get into you kind of uh, with the CrossFit gym and, and part ownership and those type of things in a second, but is there a myth that you used to hear or still hear from people around nutrition? Um, maybe something around, Oh, you know, like this many calories or what it could be anything, right? I'm just making stuff up. But is there anything you hear that's a myth that you could dispel or maybe give some added insight? Like, no, you need to kind of look at it in a different way. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. 
I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, we're in a day and age where people can go online and look up whatever they want and get 500 million different answers. So I think it's difficult to dispel things because there's so many opinions on it. Like, what diet is better? What diet is the best diet? What is this? What is that? Like, first of all, like, it obviously is very highly dependent on the person and what their body is tolerant of. Like, I'm not going to do well on a ketogenic diet because that's just not how my body's built. My body thrives off of carbs. And I, I don't know, there's, there's so much that says, you know, that calories don't matter when you're eating clean. Well, a calorie is a calorie, like a calorie going in is a calorie going out. So there's so much science behind nutrition that I think people searching for an answer or the perfect diet can get really caught up in and really confused by because they didn't necessarily go to school for it. And the school of Google or the school of Wikipedia is not necessarily the most appropriate school. So unfortunately, there is so much misinformation or, or confusing information out there. But I think that people know what is best for them. But just because people know that doesn't mean that they're going to adhere to that. I mean, we know that whole food is going to be the best type of food for you. Obviously, refined highly produced food is going to cause issues and and not going to be the healthiest choice for you to turn to when you're trying to lead a healthy lifestyle. So I think everybody knows like that they shouldn't stop at McDonald's, that they should probably go home and make vegetables and have fruit for dinner. But is that the easiest choice, especially when we're, you know, emotional or stressed out or we don't have time or we don't have money? Um, those, those things that we do know kind of take a backseat to the things that are most convenient. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I like how you put that there because I, I think they're, you know, everyone's body is different and I think you have to figure out and, and I even think of myself, right. You know, cause I, I only can talk obviously on myself and what I've done, but like last year, and I think I talked about this before, um, uh, with another guest, but you know, last year in the spring, like I was noticing, I, w- I was working out later in the day and my energy levels were so low. Well, I started to work with a dietitian. I realized that I wasn't eating the, the right number of protein. I actually wasn't eating the right number of calories. I was probably like, I should be eating like five to 800 plus calories per day. Well, once I ramped that up, like I was in the low three thousands, it was just amazing. I was hitting PRs after PRs and I was just like crushing it. And it was all because I wasn't putting the right things in my body. I thought I was based on prior knowledge that was, you know, partially wrong. Um, so it's really interesting. And I'd encourage everyone, yeah, you know, and would you encourage everyone to go and, you know, find someone they trust with that? Or is there a website or two you would share that you feel has some good information that would be helpful? I'm curious where you would kind of point people. I mean, if someone is really concerned with their nutrition and or they are, like you, trying to achieve a goal and you're not achieving it, like, or you're noticing that your energy levels are really low, or maybe you're putting on body fat when you're working really hard not to, I would totally suggest reaching out to a nutritionist or a registered dietitian. Absolutely. You want to obviously give up control to somebody who is going to be in their zone of genius, like this is their thing, like they want to do that. Um, As far as 
nutrition styles that I follow. I am certified through Precision Nutrition, which I think is, again, I've talked a lot about like your average Joe. Um, it's like, keep it simple, stupid. It's, it's, it talks very, Precision Nutrition does a very good job of like making it very easy to follow. It's a lot of it's in layman's terms. Um, I know I've talked to a couple nutritionists or registered dietitians who talk very sciencey, and that makes it very confusing as well. So I appreciate the way that they have structured their system and the education that they put out into the world because it's very easy to understand. Um, and that's important when you're just starting out on a journey. Um, you don't want to get confused by the lingo because I think when you feel defeated by something right away, you're going to give up a whole lot easier than you would if you are are there and a light bulb goes off for you. And you're like, oh, okay, I can measure my portion sizes by using my palms. I know that I need a handful of fresh vegetables in order to meet my veggie goal for the day, or I can use the palm of my hand to measure out the amount of protein I'm supposed to have for a meal, like putting it in the easiest way possible so people can digest it, um, no pun intended, I think is the best way to go. So I would recommend if you're looking for an outlet, Precision, Precision Nutrition has a great blog. They put out a lot of quality articles and information on a daily basis. Thanks for adding that. And one thing too, just to mention everyone listening, um, something I didn't realize until last year, a lot of, if you go see a dietitian nutrition, a lot of that is covered by your employer's insurance. Um, I didn't know that because um, I'm like, oh man, that's a lot of money. Do I want to pay for that? So it's something to keep in mind for everyone out there. If you're thinking, hey, I want to get a consult or something, go check out and maybe even covered and, and you don't have to pay anything out of pocket. So just a little tip I learned last year that may be helpful for others um, out there. Uh, just one less excuse, I guess, to have and, and maybe to go try and do it. Um, I know that either. Good little, good little plug there. Yeah, you know, hey, I, I again, it's one of those things. I, I learned it last year. I'm like, wait, this is pretty nice. I don't have to pay anything extra. Um, so that's cool. Um, all right. I want to transition. I want to talk a little about gym ownership. How did you get into being a, an owner of a CrossFit gym? Um, like I said, it, this had been a, a conversation swirling for a few years prior to me doing it. Um, I knew that CrossFit was was such a light in my life, and I knew that my personality gravitates towards community. It gravitates towards connection. So I knew that providing that type of a space for people was definitely in my future. So um Fast forward back to, uh, I graduated from ASU with my bachelor's in exercise and wellness in 2016. The year prior to that, um, one of my good friends uh, who I had worked out with for a couple of years um, at a CrossFit gym went off and he started his own. Uh, very typical story, like you start it in a gym, your friends, your family, they come, uh, you outgrow the gym, you look at a, an in industrial space, basically. So he was at the point where we had had a couple of conversations about starting. And like I said, he went off and did it. And he was at the point where he was outgrowing the garage. So I got a phone call and, you know, it was one that, hey, I am at this point in my business. It's new and I need help. I know you're certified. I know we've had conversations about this prior. Would you be interested in maybe training here a couple of days a week? And 
Um, it was actually really far from where I was living. So I was kind of skeptical on it, which I'm glad I didn't say no, obviously, because it's been a great experience for me to have. But I obviously said yes. And a couple days a week turned into like five or six days a week. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to buy into the business from the very beginning with sweat equity. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it just means time. It was a time exchange for um, a percentage of this business. So I really got to have um, firsthand in building an incredibly impactful community from ground zero to uh, when I left, which was last month, over a hundred members. So it, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experience. What, what was the hardest part um, from a business standpoint, growing the audience there, getting people to sign up memberships, those type of things? I mean, you want me to just to pick one? <laughs> no, no. If you had a couple, I'm, you know, anything that could help other folks that maybe are starting a business or trying to do that, any tips that are hurdles maybe that you had to jump through? Don't go into something just based on the fact that you love it, because if it's something that you love, um, I think the blood, sweat and tears, uh, the really hard days, uh, the days where you want to throw in the towel and quit can make that love disappear really quickly. So if it's a hobby, like let's just obviously stick with this gym aspect. If it's a hobby and you like love working out and you think, well, I could open a gym and work out with my friends all day long. That's the wrong reason to go into a business. Um, I think you need to do yourself some due diligence by separating the two. I think I probably worked out way less owning a gym than I did prior because when you're trying to build a business, you have to put your needs second. So um, that first and foremost, make sure that you really research what you're going into. If you want to buy a gym or be part of a gym or grow a gym, like, go work at a gym. You need firsthand experience in the thing that you want to do in order to know that you want to do it. Um, secondly, I mean, it's, I don't want to use the excuse that the market is saturated, but you have to find why you stand out compared to your competition. Um, because there are a lot of gyms, there's a lot of CrossFit gyms, there's a lot of boot boot camp style gyms. There's a lot of ways in which people can work out. Um, the fitness in industry in and of itself is like one of the highest grossing industries ever. So there, there are a lot of ways in which people can sweat and exercise and, and be active. So you really have to figure out like what your mission and vision is fairly quickly in, in the process. So you know exactly how to target the people who will gravitate towards what that mission and vision is because um, there's a lot of excuses there's a lot of there's a lot of well I don't have the time or I don't have the money so it really behooves you to target your um, your audience early on and find your people and your community early on so they can tell their friends and their friends can tell their friends and it just snowballs from there those those I'd say were probably the two biggest keys to learning at the very beginning. From a business standpoint, or actually you can take this on a nutrition fitness, do, is there anything, I know you mentioned, I think, uh, um, the website earlier, but is there any other, was there business books you read, podcasts you listened to, anything like that that was helpful for you? Did you have any mentors that maybe gave you some advice that you could share? Anything else um, on that front? 
Oh, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of information out there for you. Um, I was lucky enough to have a business partner who pretty much mandated that I do personal development. So I started with a PSI seminar, which if you don't know what PSI is, it's very similar to Landmark in the fact that you're kind of learning uh, about yourself and why you operate the way you operate. Um, and it did a lot of justice for me because when you have to work around a lot of other people, like you have to understand their programming and know how to sell something in the way that they want to be sold. So um, I would totally suggest going to personal development seminars. That's huge on my to-do list, even to this day. Um, podcasts and uh, audiobooks or just normal books, that's fine too, are obviously a great tool and they're very prominent nowadays for the people who say that they don't have time. Like you can have a 30 minute drive and listen to two or three podcasts, which is a great opportunity for you to learn. But we, um, we had a business coach, um, Stuart Brower from What the Fuck Gym Talk for the last year. That was, that was really good for us. Um, I would say if you're just starting out in a business to read Traction by Gina Wickman, um, that really helps you hone in on like your mission and vision and to get systems established right away. Um, just so you know where your ship is headed because you don't want to just like put yourself out there with zero direction. I think there's way too much of a stimulus stimulus that happens then and you can get swayed by anything. So you really need to be rooted in why you are doing what you're doing. And that what that book was huge in helping us figure out um, that what that why was. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, I've actually I've actually read traction myself. I I, I definitely uh, uh, give a thumbs up on that. It was very helpful. So um, that, that's good. I appreciate you sharing some of that insight there. Now, I want to I want to kind of transition because, you know, one of the things I think it's important too to always point out is this wasn't like just a, a flick of the match and all of a sudden all this took off. Like you've progressed obviously over what has it been the last seven, eight years, those type nine years, right. Of, of kind of the challenges you had early on. Now you're transitioning out of the gym ownership and you're, I know you're getting more into public speaking and those type of things. I want to, I want to talk a little about that because that's obviously a new Avenue for you. So I want to yeah. talk, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you're embracing that. Um, maybe the self-talk that you went through to have that belief that it's something you can do. Um, I'm just curious your kind of thought process there um, on the speaking. Um, I've known that my life and the things that I've been through um, could be helpful for other people. Um, I haven't exactly known how to like put it in a pretty little package with a bow on top and present it to other people in a way that was useful. Um, I really came to this conclusion on some of the things that I wanted to talk about within the last month. And a lot of that, I give a lot of credit to um, taking that leap of faith. When I decided that it was time for me to make my exit from the gym, like I knew it needed to happen and I didn't have I didn't have a whole lot of a safety net, if you will, um, to catch me after I jumped. I just, I made the snap decision to, to leave the gym and that was that. So um, I think taking that major leap of faith uh, really opened up the doors for me to see how everything that has happened in my life, everything that's transpired along the way has led me to this point. And at, 
with the point that I'm at, I really feel like I am the most successful I've ever been. And that's been a really cool epiphany or realization, if you will, um, just to find out about myself. So with that being said, like, I finally realized kind of how to package up all of the messy things that have happened in my life and present them to a crowd of people that would be useful for them to hear where there would be takeaways or situations that, um, you know, they could very easily relate to. I've been to so many conferences and so many workshops and seminars to where the person on stage almost seems unattainable, right? Like they've, they've built up their life and they're super successful and, you know, they've built this business to millions of dollars and sold that one for millions of dollars. I feel like I am very relatable in the fact that I'm like three, four steps ahead because I now have built a business. Uh, I've now sold my share in that business and I failed. I've stumbled. I've fallen down quite often along the way. And now I'm really just getting back up into like chapter six, chapter seven of my life. And I know a very clear direction in which I'm headed. So that realization has really helped me um, figure out like how to share my message in a way that's most efficient and most effective, which is doing more public speaking, which is super exciting. Have you done anything to, from a preparation standpoint, um, take any classes, talk, have any mentors that give you some guidance? I'm curious how you prepped yourself to, or did you just get up on the stage and be like, screw it, I'm just going to talk? <laughs> um, I am, let's see, how do I put this? I did forensics in middle school and forensics is like a speaking competition club. So I always knew that I was good with public speaking, whereas opposed to 99% of the population, like that's the number one fear, right? Is public speaking. Um, so I knew that I was good at it. Uh, I hadn't explored it in a long time. Um, and I think within the last like six months, I've gone to a couple of conferences where I thought to myself, like, I want to be the person on that stage. So uh, I put it on a vision board to do so. Um, and really, I went from there. I, you uh, you interviewed my best friend, Lindsay Schwartz. So she does this conference every year called the Powerhouse Women event. And, you know, I've got to see her grow I've, throughout this process and do more uh, like appearance appearances and, and talking at different um, seminars and, and whatnot. And I think that's had a huge hand in me wanting to do more of it as well, because I can just see the impact that she has. Um, and her story is, couldn't be more different than mine. So I knew that there was also space for me to operate within that and be, you know, of value to a lot of people as well. So I'm a big believer in manifesting something and working towards it. Like I said, I put it on my vision board at the beginning of this year. And lo and behold, I think last week it was, I um, was asked to do two separate public speaking engagements. And I think that really from there, now that people know that I have the ability to do it and I do have a clear cut message that's valuable, um, I will be able to cultivate more relationships in which uh, I'll be able to speak more places. Therefore affecting more people. I wanted to underscore something you just said there. I want can could you share a little bit more about your vision board? What that is, why you do that? Um yes, of course. Um I think 
I said something earlier as far as knowing like your mission and vision, right? So that that's for your business. Like you need to have um, goals or guideposts that you're actively trying to get to. I think the same needs to happen for your life. Um, if you don't have certain targets that you want to hit or things that you want to attain, um, then you're really just out there in space floating and you don't really have a clear-cut direction to aim for. Um, so a vision board is just something that you can create on your own. It's very easy, lots of magazine clippings of things that you want to see in your life. Um, and yes, they can have deadlines like, you know, I want to own a house by 2020. Like put that on your vision board. Um, because if you see something every single day, it's a reminder of what you want. You're going to start taking the necessary steps to get that thing. If you don't have it in in your mind, out what's the popular saying? Out of sight, out of mind. You're not going to work towards that because you're going to get bombarded with everything else that happens on a daily basis and you're going to forget what's important to you. And I know that sounds silly, but it's true. And that's why people stay in corporate jobs that they hate. And I'm not saying that corporate is bad. If that's something that you love, more power to you. But people stay in jobs that they hate for years at a time and they look back after 20 or 30 years and think, wow, like. I have so many regrets. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And it's like, that's the point for me of a vision board is to put it somewhere where I'm going to see it every single day. And on that board are things that I want to attain, whether it's my five-year plan or my 10-year plan, or I want to attain it by the end of the week. Like it's there. It's staring at me. It's saying, well, Mary, you put this here. So work for it. What do you have to do to get it? So you'll put specific dates of you know achievement on there it's not just a some fluff in the air it's actually you'll have some timeline on there that you want to hit it in um some stuff yes other stuff no it's just on there um goals goals do have to have i think some guidelines to them i'm sure you've heard the term smart goals it's got to be specific and measurable and attainable and you know there has to be a time time frame on it um if you just throw it out there like I want to make a million dollars. Well, that's really broad. Um, when do you want to make it? How do you want to make it? Uh, how much money do you need to make every single day in a year's time in order to make a million dollars? Because when you break big goals down to small, manageable, bite-sized chunks, it's a lot easier to attain that goal than it would be just to say, well, I want to make a million dollars because that sounds really hard, you know? No, that's good. I appreciate you going into that because the vision board, I've heard that before. Um, you know, I write down goals and, and stuff like that, but I never thought of it as a vision goal, actually have the um, the visual there with it. So that's kind of that's kind of neat. Um, so you talked about the public speaking, those type of things. What Anything else on your plate to share? What, what are you excited about um, otherwise coming up in the next few months in the next year, 2020? What are some things on your plate um, to share? Um, I'm definitely excited to do more public speaking for sure. I see the stages getting bigger and bigger, um, but I am excited to explore the option of creating my own gym. Um, I walked away from, like I said, the community that I've been a part of for the last four years, and I'm excited to take what I learned from that experience and create something that is um, more me. Um, so I'm looking forward to really 
drawing out a business plan and going to check out spaces and seeing, you know, who's on board and who, um, what the market is for it to put out some, some correspondence to find out who's interested in the idea that I want to bring to fruition. Yeah, that's really neat. Excited to see how that, uh, that does come about and, uh, and hopefully you can share that. Well, I'm sure with, and this is actually a good transition in terms of, you know, where people can find you online, maybe as you share those different stories. Can you show that? Can you uh, share the story? Why you're telling all that is, uh, is how you came up with your, your Instagram, the manicured meatheads. Yeah. So um, I operate on Instagram pretty much most of the time. My handle on that is manicured, like your nails, a manicure, um, manicured meatheads. And the idea behind that was I've always worked in obviously very male dominated industries. Um, and though there are plenty of females who work out, a lot of what you see is very like testosterone male dominated. And I wanted to dispel the fact that when you think of the word meathead and you think of just some guy carrying around a gallon jug of water at the gym, that it could be very feminine too. So I wanted to showcase my life as a female business owner and not just any business owner. I owned a gym. So, you know, you typically see sweaty and gross and, you know, big old muscly people. Well, I wanted to, um, really put a spin on what that word meant to me and make it more girly because I am very girly. Uh, I'm wearing hot pink shoes right now, but I also like to lift heavy things. I like to work out. I like that part of my life. It's very integral to me. So um, the term manicured meathead was born. <laughs> is Instagram the best spot for everyone to uh, connect with you or is there anywhere else you'd suggest? Um, yes, I operate mostly on Instagram. I am in the process of revamping my own personal website. Um, I'm slow when it comes to that type of stuff, but it will be up. It's the same thing. It's manicuredmeatheads.com. Um, a lot of what's on there has to do with the gym that I just came from. So I'm working on kind of taking some stuff down and plugging some new stuff in its place, but it is live. You can go there. Um, you can plug in your email address. I'm going to start working on some email campaigns. Um, and this is important to me because like I've said or touched on a few times, like I finally feel like my mess of a life has a message to share. Um, and this has just happened within the last month, last month and a half. So I've been busy um, getting my shit together, if you will, and getting some presentable, tangible information and places for people to find me. Um, so yeah. Instagram mostly, but my, my website will be up and running here within the next month um, with some good information being pumped out and hopefully like following my journey type of stuff uh, about, about the new gym and about some public speaking engagements wherever you can find me there. So I always like to end these things on kind of open form to pass the ball back to you. Any advice, maybe it's one piece of advice that's been most impactful in your life. Maybe it's a quote you live by. Um, anything of that nature you would share um, with the uh, with the listeners uh, before we end? Um, sure. Let's see. I think it's important for you to just get out of your own way. Um, most of what you want in this life is attainable um, very easily, honestly, if you just get out of your own way. Um, I'm not saying you have to like tape a, take a huge leap of faith and like leave your job or divorce your spouse or whatever that might be for you. But 
put one foot in front of the other and continue to move forward. But in order to do that, you have to believe in yourself. And in order to do that, you just have to get out of your own way. And that's been a huge lesson for me is that I've been the one holding me back this whole time. Very sage advice there, Mary. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> really enjoyed chatting with you um, on the uh, on the podcast today. Very glad you were able to join. And uh, thanks for taking some time out to uh, to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciated the opportunity. Thanks for being the place for people to be able to share their stories for other people to learn from. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode or have been enjoying others along the way. Um, and if you don't mind, it would really mean a lot if you guys head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, give me a rating on there. Um, I certainly appreciate that feedback to make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and please connect with me online. Instagram's probably the best, um, at Brian Andreco. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O. Or go ahead and check out my website, brianandraco.com. That's where I house a ton of random crap like the podcast and my CrossFit journey and a variety of other blog articles. Um, and sign up for my newsletter. Be sending a little bit of uh, inspiration each and every week that uh, may be useful for you. So I certainly appreciate guys listening in. Thanks again. I hope you have a phenomenal week and we'll talk soon. Yeah.